worship an awesome God in the blue states. The, the president's uh, problem is that he was born a Muslim. Not God bless America, God damn America. My Christian faith then has been a sustaining force for me over these last few years. Marriage itself is now being redefined and at a very incredible velocity. President Obama made it very clear that he wanted to be the abortion president. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Welcome to the history of evangelicals and politics, the Obama era. This is episode 24, Let the People Speak. I'm John Fia. Over the last several episodes, we have chronicled the history behind the Federal Marriage Amendment crafted by the Alliance for Marriage and sponsored by Colorado Representative Marilyn Musgrave and Colorado Senator Wayne Allard. It read, just to refresh your memory, marriage in the United States shall consist solely of the union of a man and a woman. Neither this Constitution nor the Constitution of any state shall be construed to require that marriage or the legal incidents thereof be conferred upon any union other than the union of a man and a woman. On July 9, 12, and 14, the United States Senate had an open debate on this amendment and eventually took a preliminary vote, the technical term is a cloture vote, on whether or not to close debate and move directly to a vote on the amendment itself. The amendment would need the support of 60 senators in the cloture vote, and if passed cloture, would need 67 Senate votes to advance any further in the amendment process. Senate Majority Leader Bill Frist of Tennessee did not have the votes prompting opponents of the amendment to see this cloture vote as little more than a political move to get senators on the record regarding same-sex marriage. It was an election year, after all, and Republicans wanted to pin their opponents down on marriage in the hopes of using the cloture vote on the amendment as a talking point in November campaign ads. It was a good political strategy, since according to most polls, Americans slightly favored the amendment and opposed gay marriage generally. In anticipation of the debate and vote on cloture, Christian right organizations flooded the Senate with petitions expressing support for traditional marriage. The American Family Association, the American Center for Law and Justice, and the Center for Reclaiming America delivered 1.4 million signatures to the Senate on July 8th and it was reported that another 1.1 million signatures were still forthcoming from other Christian right organizations. Op-ed pages in local newspapers were filled with letters to the editor, urging support for the amendment. One such writer made his position clear in the Murfreesboro, Tennessee Daily News Journal. Never before have I been outraged to the point of action on any political issue but I feel like I have no choice but to try with all my might to protect the sanctity of marriage, 
My primary concern is our children and grandchildren. They will be the ones who have to deal with the moral mess we leave behind because we either don't know or don't care enough to evaluate what's unfolding right before our eyes. We can't stick our heads in the sand this time. This issue is absolutely critical to the very survival of our country. Am I the only one who can see what's happening? The Family Research Council claimed that its July 12th prayer meeting at the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, which featured James Dobson, Charles Colson, and former Seattle Seahawks football player Ken Hutcherson, reached 1 million people via satellite and Christian radio. As part of this event, the names of 25 senators were announced who had yet committed to how they would vote on the amendment, and viewers were urged to call their offices. One sympathetic writer said that Dobson, Colson, and Hutcherson called Christians to prayer-drenched activism in the political arena against the godless communism that is destroying our nation. President George W. Bush used his weekly radio address to address the Senate debate over the amendment. On July 9, Wayne Allard arose on the Senate floor and said he hoped for a constructive debate on his marriage amendment. By this point, his speech was a familiar one. Traditional marriage had a long history, but it was now under assault by activist judges like those on the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts. The people working through the democratic process and not the courts should have the right to define the meaning of marriage in the United States. Allard argued that states' rights only went so far. I stand where I always have, he said. While an indisputable definition of marriage will be part of our constitution, all other questions will be left to the states. What Allard was saying here is that the states could decide whether or not to recognize same-sex unions short of marriage. Next up was Gordon Smith, a Republican from Oregon. He affirmed his support of both gay rights and traditional marriage and defended himself against focus on the family's James Dobson, who said on his radio program that Smith would not vote for the federal marriage amendment. Smith was planning to vote for the amendment, and he used his speech on the floor to say that Dobson was bearing false witness against him. Dobson may owe me no apology, Smith said, but I wish he would make it clear to my constituents. I make no apology for supporting many of the needs of gay and lesbian Americans. In the end, however, Smith believed the word marriage should be reserved for a union between a man and a woman. He then quoted Cicero, the first bond of society is marriage, adding, I believe Cicero was right. He was not a religious man. He was a secular man. He was a non-believer. But he also saw the incredible benefit to building up citizens of Rome through this first bond of society, which was then and is still marriage. Smith said that he preferred to not put a cultural issue like marriage into the Constitution. But either way, he argued, the Constitution would be amended. The question is, by whom? Will it be done by a few liberal judges in Massachusetts? This, of course, was a reference to the Goodridge decision. A lawless mayor in San Francisco? 
This was a reference to San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom or clandestine county commissioners or by the American people in a lawful constitutional process as laid out in our founding document. Smith was a federalist. In other words, he believed that the state should be invested with power not given to the federal government in the Constitution. But like Allard, he believed that marriage was too important to be left up to the states. He invoked his Mormon past, noting that the federal government interfered in the marriage rights of Mormons in the state of Utah to stop plural, to stop plural marriages. Smith added, some people would say my progenitors were discriminated against. I guess, but the truth is our country through a lawful process in the 1860s and 1870s defined marriage between one man and one woman at the federal level. Orrin Hatch of Utah, another Mormon, followed Smith. Like he had done a month earlier in the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on marriage, Hatch made everyone aware of his record on sponsoring AIDS bills and hate crime bills. In other words, by supporting the federal marriage amendment, he was not discriminating against gay people. He then reiterated his belief that the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act would eventually get overturned by the Supreme Court. He reminded his colleagues that Democratic presidential nominee John Kerry, Kerry's fellow Massachusetts Senator Ted Kennedy, the American Civil Liberties Union, and Harvard University law professor Lawrence Tribe had all said that the Defense of Marriage Act was unconstitutional at the time it was passed in 1996. Hatch specifically targeted Kerry, who was arguing on the presidential campaign trail that we did not need a federal marriage amendment because traditional marriage was protected by the Defense of Marriage Act. How convenient. Hatch said. How could Kerry believe that the Defense of Marriage Act is unconstitutional and still think that it will protect traditional marriage? Hatch called Kerry a grand flip-flopper. With people like Kerry and Kennedy in power, he believed the Defense of Marriage Act didn't stand a chance. Hatch fully expected the courts to eventually rule it unconstitutional. Traditional marriage thus needed to be shored up by an amendment. And to enforce his argument further, Hatch invoked Abraham Lincoln's response to the 1857 Dred Scott case. When Chief Justice Roger Tawney handed down his infamous decision, keeping Scott a slave, even though he lived in a free state, Hatch said, Lincoln did not defer to the court. He did not accept its decision as a proper interpretation of the Constitution. He rejected it root and branch. And then Hatch quoted Lincoln. The candid citizen must confess that if the policy of the government upon vital questions affecting the whole people is to be irrevocably fixed by decisions of the Supreme Court, the people will have ceased to be their own rulers. This was not going to happen again with the issue of marriage, Hatch concluded. We cannot just sit by and let the courts rule our country. That is not their job. The Democrats not only disagreed with Hatch, but they refused to engage in debate, knowing full well that the Republicans did not have the votes. They needed to win the cloture vote. 
Patrick Leahy of Vermont chose to spend his time on the floor talking about the federal budget and what he believed to be other more pressing issues facing the Senate. New Jersey's Frank Lautenberg stood up and basically gave a Kerry campaign speech. Nevada's Harry Reid talked about U.S. policy in Burma. Indiana's Birch Bayh used his time to praise an Army staff sergeant from Indiana who died in Iraq. And Leahy then returned to speak about the and Leahy then returned to speak about the reform of laws related to email. Texas Senator John Cornyn and other pro-amendment senators insisted that marriage was indeed a pressing issue, much more important than the budget or any other matter. They chided their Democratic colleagues for not engaging in a full-throated debate. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. After the weekend break, the debate, if you can call it that, resumed on Monday. Harry Reid, the second highest ranking Democrat in the Senate behind South Dakota's Tom Daschle, called for an end to the debate and pushed Senate Majority Leader Frist for a cloture vote so that the Senate could move on to more important matters. But Republican Pennsylvania Senator Rick Santorum, who was not present for the first day of debate on Friday the 9th, was not about to let that happen without a fight. When Santorum took the podium, things got a bit crazy. He claimed that there were a couple other proposals that have been floated out there that members on our side would like to vote on by way of amendment to the underlying legislation. In other words, Santorum was calling for changes to the text of the Allard Amendment. He was no doubt referring to a proposal that would keep the first sentence of the Allard Amendment. Remember that read, marriage in the United States shall consist solely of the union of a man and a woman. And then drop the second sentence, which read, neither this constitution nor the constitution of any state shall be construed to require that marriage or the legal incidents thereof be conferred upon any union other than the union of a man and a woman. By dropping the second sentence, it would allow the states to authorize civil unions, which would provide the benefits of marriage. The hope was that this amendment might win over more Democrats. Reed interrupted Santorum. I have not spoken to anyone, but it appears from the body language I pick up and what I believe I hear my friend from Pennsylvania saying, they do not like the measure now before the body and they want to change it. Reed then echoed one of the most important democratic critiques of the federal marriage amendment. By trying to rush the cloture vote so that it took place before the Democratic National Convention later in the month and before the Senate summer recess, the amendment had failed to go through the necessary vetting. That is the problem we have when we report legislation directly to the floor without necessary hearings, Reed said. As to this matter, that is now before the Senate, it is my understanding we have not had hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee where they should have gone on. 
The Senate chamber is not the place to do what committees are there to do. Reed suggested that the Republicans take the federal marriage amendment back to the Judiciary Committee, where they could conduct a full hearing and decide really what they do want. Majority Leader Frist and Minority Leader Gashel were unable to come up with a way in which the Senate could vote on both the Allard Amendment and the revised version. And at the end of the debate, Gashel said to reporters, the Republicans find themselves in an embarrassing position. They cannot agree among themselves as to what form the marriage amendment ought to take. They have left themselves with the legislative equivalent of multiple choice. Senator George Vianovich of Ohio, a GOP supporter of the amendment, told the press that from a timing point of view, it would have been better to do it not in this environment. The so-called debate over the Allard Amendment continued for two more days with GOP senators such as Santorum, Jeff Sessions, John Kyle of Arizona, Sam Brownback of Kansas, and others speaking in favor of the amendment, echoing many of the same arguments. One GOP senator, however, was not convinced by the arguments of his fellow Republicans. Arizona's John McCain announced that he would not vote for the federal marriage amendment. The constitutional amendment we're debating today strikes me as antithetical in every way to the core philosophy of Republicans, McCain told the Senate GOP leadership meeting on the evening before the vote. It usurps from the states a fundamental authority they have always possessed and imposes a federal remedy to a problem that most states do not believe confronts them. McCain believed that such a marriage amendment will not be adopted by Congress this year, nor next year, nor anytime soon until a substantial majority of Americans are persuaded that such a consequential action is as vitally important and necessary as the proponents feel it is today. McCain defended the Defense of Marriage Act, but did say he might be open to a federal marriage amendment if the Defense of Marriage Act was struck down by the Supreme Court. But for now, he concluded, we will have to wait a little longer to see if Armageddon has arrived. On the day of the cloture vote, July 14, Ted Kennedy took the floor to announce what he called the Senate Republican leadership's disgraceful detour into right-wing campaign politics. Rather than deal with the Senate's urgent priorities, the GOP leadership, Kennedy said, is engaging in the politics of mass distraction by bringing up a discriminatory marriage amendment to the US Constitution that a majority of Americans do not support. Again, polling suggests that Kennedy was probably wrong about that last part. Kennedy then described what he believed was really happening. Conservative activist Paul Weyrich, he said, explained the partisan GOP strategy in a recent email newsletter. President Bush has bet the farm on Iraq, Wyrick wrote, and the best solution to his declining poll numbers is to change the subject to the federal marriage constitutional amendment. Wyrick acknowledged that doing so might cost the president votes from gay and lesbian Republicans, but he is not troubled about it. Good riddance, Wyrick wrote. Kennedy concluded, we all know what this is about, it is not about how to protect the sanctity of marriage or how to deal with activist judges. It is about politics.
Santorum followed Kennedy, quoting the late historian and cultural critic Christopher Lash. Lash says we get up every morning and we tell ourselves little lies so we can live, Santorum said. Today we have gotten up and we have told ourselves a little lie. Somehow or another, we deny what we know is true. We know marriage between a man and a woman is true and right. It is not discriminatory and divisive. It is simply a fact. It is common sense. Yet somehow, just so we can move on to homeland security or to the next bill, we are going to deceive ourselves into believing that everything will be okay if we just do nothing. Nothing doesn't cut it. Let the people speak. The Senate voted 50 to 48 against the cloture vote to proceed to a direct vote on the federal marriage amendment. Six Republicans voted with the Democrats, McCain, Susan Collins of Maine, Ben Nighthorse Campbell of Colorado, Lincoln Chaffee of Rhode Island, Olympia Snow of Maine, and John Sununu of New Hampshire. Three Democrats voted in favor of proceeding with a formal vote on the amendment. Robert Byrd of West Virginia, Zell Miller of Georgia, and Ben Nelson of Nebraska. The Christian right was ready with a response. Stay tuned. The History of Evangelicals and Politics is produced by Casey Lehman. It is a podcast for patrons of Current, an online platform that includes daily commentary, reflection, and judgment from diverse and talented writers representing positions across the political spectrum. Current also hosts The Way of Improvement Leads Home, a blog dedicated to reflections on American history, politics, religion, and academic life. This podcast is made possible by our patrons. Please consider supporting us by heading over to currentpub.com and clicking the red support button.